Hey everybody, welcome to the next guest. I'm your host Matt. And I'm Josh. And I'm Steve. Yes, he is. All right, so this is the Linux cast. We talk about Linuxy things, and once again, we're Sans Tyler. He's still in Hawaii, of all places. Honolulu. Um, yeah, like, like he showed pictures, so he's actually there. This is not just him, you know, playing hooky. He's actually in Hawaii, which is, you know, he still should have done the Mickey Mouse cruise. I'm just saying, it's, it would have been a better experience all around. All right. Anyways, so no Tyler this week, but this is the Linux cast. We carry on. Because that's what we do. So we uh, this week we're going to be talking about a whole bunch of awesome news. But first, let's talk about what we've done this week in Linux. Josh, you can go first. Uh, well, uh, I once again attempted installing Arch Linux and it failed miserably, like usual with Arch, uh, because Arch is a wonderfully ter- terribly stable distribution where Pacman works. Well, Pacman doesn't work, but everything else regarding the network does. But, you know, uh, as a result, uh, I get posting about this on the internal chat that we have here as, as host of the show. And Matt's just like, I, di- I challenge you to stick to distro for six months after I just freshly installed this wonderful operating system here. Oh, which, by the way, first of all, fr- very first thing here, mandatory NeoFetch. We, we've got we to give the mandatory NeoFetch right now. This is uh, Debian stable that uh, Matt has forced upon me until, like, mid-August or something like that. The, the, the absolute frame by frame of that we got because your video like crackled <laughs> while you did that oh. that was hilarious it was great um awesome <laughs> uh obs virtual camera it's it's good good solidly reliable because we're using obs we're using the native package not the flat pack should definitely use the flat pack it's way better <laughs> uh, <laughs> and anyways um yeah i did not force you to do anything i said you could yes, back you out did. i just challenged your manhood <laughs> i didn't believe you could do it I still don't, don't worry know. don't worry man because i'm i'm 100 percent more certain that i will that i will outlast you in this challenge because you've you're thinking about cheating <laughs> i'm not cheating at all i i I'll, i promise i will use debian i'm not gonna do any virtual machine shenanigans or anything i okay. will use this system all right, so Steve, you had some stuff you wanted to talk about. Go ahead. All right. Uh, so before I get into uh, the serious stuff I want to talk about, uh, I've been doing JetGPT for the past, I don't know, four days, and I'm in love with that thing. Uh, it can have my babies. Uh, other than that, uh, on a more serious note, uh, I would like to call on all uh, anyone who's watching uh, who can help? Uh, currently, I couldn't. I didn't raise enough money this month to pay the heating bills, so uh, we currently don't have any heating. We don't have hot water. We don't have water. We don't have any of that. So, uh, if anyone could uh, throw in a few pennies or bucks or whatever uh, towards uh, the fundraiser that uh, Matt will link in the show notes. Thanks, Matt. Uh, because I tried, I keep on trying, uh, putting things on uh, Patreon, uh, interesting things. Maybe, maybe people would uh, are interested, would be interested in uh, uh, donating for or joining for or whatever it's called. Uh, but apparently, nothing I do is interesting enough. Uh, I tried. And that's one of the reasons why uh, zero G was put behind the uh, behind the, the ISO was put behind the donation wall. Uh, this was an attempt f- 
from me to give something in return uh, for for people that will uh, that would be able to help me uh, in my situation. And we recently suffered an earthquake, not as strong as the one that because it originated from Turkey, uh, where it was eight seven point eight on the Richter scale. Uh, here it was four point five. It was the reverberations, as they called, as it comes in whatever, uh, but we're, we're, the situation in Lebanon is not getting any better, it's getting worse. Uh, today, as I'm talking to you guys, the, the value of the dollar has increased by 75%. So now it's at 70,000 Lebanese pounds for the dollar. It used to be 35,000 less than a month ago, now it's 75,000. So, uh, yeah, so if anyone could help, please do. I'm not asking to buy myself a shiny new toy or anything. It's just we need to pay the heating bills, and I couldn't make it this month. And if you can, on a monthly basis, that'll be great. Patreon as well would help. Whatever, anything would help. Thanks, Matt. Yep. All right, let's go ahead. Well, I should guess I should talk about myself for a minute uh, before we move on. So, I too, I was the originator of the challenge because I challenged Josh because I, you know, I'm an asshole. Um, he just tops all the time, man. <laughs> he hops more than Tyler does. Um, anyway, so I challenged him to a, a duel, uh, <laughs> and uh, he he took the 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 easy way out and chose Debian, and then he gave I just me chose a, what I had installed at the time. He, he then he gives I I being the dumbass that I am decided that I was going to let him choose the distro that I'm using for the next six weeks. And he gave me a list of like eight of them. Uh, 90% of them were not options. I did look at Endless OS. It was a curious look-see, but I, I don't think I could deal with the whole user interface of that. Um, anyways, so I ended up on Redcore, and here is my obligatory NeoFetch for... Uh, for everyone that's on the stream, I'm sorry I can't share it with you, Josh, but you'll have to see it on the stream. It's fine. Uh, there's, there's a back catalog. There's that. Anyways, uh, yes, I'm actually doing the podcast from Gen 2. It's basically Gen 2. It's whatever. Uh, Gen 2-based distribution, and it has been an experience. I made a video about it yesterday, and it's um, it's been very stable. Like it's been it's been very good. I've only had a couple problems with packages. I, I couldn't get sudo in, to install because it was masked, and I couldn't figure out how to unmask it. Um, so I'll have to figure that out later. So I just went with do as. It's fine. Uh, and for whatever reason, X screensaver is installed but not installed. It's really weird. So those are the things that I've been having problems with. And, uh, yeah, I'm on a Gentoo-based distro, which is really weird. And I don't have a single Fedora installed right now. Not a single one. Um, not even, like, the one behind me has Archcraft on it, my laptop has Redcore, this has Redcore, uh, I think the ThinkPad that I have out in the living room is, uh, still on the LTS version of Ubuntu, which is... Talk about, uh, taking, uh, challenge seriously. Yeah, um, so no Fedora for me. The other thing that I did this week is <laughs> I abandoned Firefox. Oh, God. Uh... Me and my browsers. I can't find a browser that I like. Um, what were you using? Well, I was using Firefox, and no, but after Firefox, I moved. What to, did you I it? moved to Vivaldi. 
<laughs> God help me. That makes me happy. I can't. It, it's not as bad as I thought it was. Was, but I, there's still so many things that just their tab groups, which they call stacks, are not nearly as good as simple tab groups in Firefox. Not even close. Like you can't. The only way to add once a stack is created, the only way you can add a new tab to it outside of adding a tab while you're in the group if you want to add an outside tab to the stack you can either drag and drop it or theoretically you're supposed to be able to select both the stack and the new tab and combine them with the either the actions menu or right click right that that does no longer exist it's not in the browser anymore um no they removed it yeah so whatever but why can't I just right-click on a tab and say, hey, add this to a stack that happens to have a name? Like, that's what I, that's what I desperately want to be able to do. You want to you know, know the weird well, thing? Well, hold on a second it was, That so, option was there. And they took it out? Yeah. So, since Matt is talking about browser tabs right now, if you're in the chat right now, tell us how many browser tabs you have open right now. Matt, you also have to tell us how many browser tabs you have open right now. I have seven myself. What do you have, Steve? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, eighteen. Eighteen. Okay. Matt, you 70. have like 127, don't you? S- 72. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, wait. No, wait. You want to talk about weird. My, my best friend has... Uh, separate browsers. Each browser has 256 tabs open. I usually... Uh, <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot of tabs. <laughs> one one is for uh, Amazon, 256 tabs. One is for YouTube, 256 tabs. One is for uh, Lebanese. What could uh, you possibly... Uh, does he like keep a wish list of all the things that he wants to buy from Amazon? In he doesn't. He doesn't believe in bookmarks, or or, or any of that. And all the and he uses Windows. I, I have uh, but, I have bookmarks, but I don't use them for like the biggest tab stack that I have is ideas for videos, and I have all those things in a tab, and it's, I just prefer to have them there instead of yanking the. URL and putting in a note or something. I could do that, but then I'd have to open them back up and I'd never see them again. By having them in a in a tab group, they're in front of my face, you know, every once in a while, and I can be inspired by them. If I put them in a note program, I switched note programs like all the damn time. That note would get lost, guaranteed. You know what I mean? But, <laughs> but he has them. He has them on. Uh, you know, the sidebar uh, on the left side. And he's, you have to scroll, 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 okay. scroll to find all the tabs. It's, um, that is so weird. cancerous because, you know, I, I make liberal use of control tab key to, like, cycle through tabs in the browser. And I can't imagine doing that with that many tabs. Well, I don't uh, I don't use that. I just use my mouse like a normal person. Um, he's got he's got tabs that, that are uh, maybe six to seven months old. They might, the page might be dead. The article might be deleted. But that's why he keeps them open. Uh, and he keeps them cached, so in case the page uh, is deleted, he still can read it. <laughs> I mean, there are some things about Vivaldi that I do like, and I'll probably talk about this in a video later on, but the, the dual layer tabs that you can use for the stacks is kind of cool. It definitely solved my problem with their stacks, where because with simple tab groups in Firefox, 
you get a drop down menu of your groups and then you can switch between them and it hides the group that you're not that's not active um, with with Vivaldi, the groups aren't hidden, so they're always there, which is unfortunate. I wish there was more of a drop-down menu. But uh, with having the dual double-layer stacks, which you guys can actually see this, like I can show this on camera, I, I, I you get tabs in two layers. The second layer is the group, and you can pin yeah. you can pin groups. But if you have pinned a group, you can't add any tabs to those groups. If they're if it's pinned, you have to unpin it in order to add tabs to the group. Uh, and if you even if you add ta add a tab within the group instead of outside of the group, which you can't do if it's pinned, then it unpins itself for a minute until you close the tab that you added. It's it's not a great implementation, but it's good enough uh, that yeah, I've I, been I, here. I, I've stuck around. A, we'll see if I stay. From from a from a I don't know how many years uh, seven eight years uh, user of. Uh, of Vivaldi, I can tell you one thing. Uh, ever since they moved to version 5.x uh, from 4, uh, they removed a lot of useful features. They are concentrating heavily on email in, uh, implementation and social implementation in the uh, in the left panel or in the panel wherever you position it at when you're creating your setting up your Vivaldi. Uh, I put it on the left, but some people put it on the right or at the bottom or at the top. But wherever you put it, they're targeting emails and social so much. It's unbelievable. It's like with every new version that gets pushed, I because I, I have a Vivaldi account. Uh, I have an email at Vivaldi.net, uh, a webmail, sorry. Uh, I keep receiving emails about, oh, did you know you can add your email to, to your panel? Oh, did you know you could add start using uh, your social media in the panel today? I'm like, I don't oh. want an email client in my web, web browser. If Me I neither. if I was going if I was going to use email in the browser, I would just go to the webmail. I just go to Gmail. You what know, it'd be fine. I'm I'm like really disappointed at what they're targeting these days. Uh, but I keep ignoring them. If they them. made tab stacks better, it would be a good, it would be a really good browser. As it is, they're just passable. I miss simple tab groups now. Somebody asked me, like Matt, why did you switch away from Firefox? And it's the stupidest reason, but it's it's a death by a thousand cuts. Every time Mozilla does something, it just pisses me off these days. And the, this last one with them adding the the extensions menu. Like I know, I know, Vivaldi has an extensions menu, and Chrome has an extensions menu. Um. But the Firefox thing, them adding it broke user Chrome, which was the, one of the biggest reasons why I used Firefox to begin with. And it's just, they already had that feature. Like, like you already had an overflow menu that was there that was opt-in, you know, that people could choose to use. This you can't choose to use. And then they, they're going to disable the – because as of right now, you can disable the extensions menu via, like, about, that, about config. They're taking that away in the next version. It's going to be gone. You uh, can't there, there is an extension I would recommend, I highly recommend you use in uh, Vivaldi called Extensify. Uh, it drops down, uh, it shows you a complete list of your extensions and you can uh, disable them one by one for some websites. Like, uh, for example, there's a, there, there's a YouTube extension that blocks video ads uh, for YouTube and allows you to customize YouTube to your liking. Uh, and setting videos not to autoplay, a lot of features. 
you, uh, you can disable it temporarily because sometimes it breaks uh, the ability to make super chats uh, for some reason. But uh, it's very useful and I use it a lot because it allows me to disable extensions on a per site basis and uh, shows you all your extensions in a drop down menu. Uh, color me weird. I just use Chromium. I, the the tab groups in Chromium are just not good. The, the, I, they're, they're just... I also just close tabs. Lame. Seriously, dude, lame. <laughs> I, I rely. I I I have an extension called History. Uh, it just keep. I can save my uh, sessions uh, as custom sessions, and I can open them whenever I want. It never forgets them. It just saves them. And I back up my Vivaldi folder between installs. So yeah, I thought I don't... you. Could, I'm. I. Th you can. You can save sessions in Vivaldi by default. You don't need that. No, it, it doesn't remember them uh, a, uh, a lot. That's another um. issue I have with Vivaldi. Uh, when it crashes, for example, it doesn't give you an option to restore your last session. Not all the time. So with that one, I mm. ensure that I have all my sessions locally saved as a as a file in the profile folder. And oh, when okay. I back up, uh, when I back that folder up between installs, uh, when I restore it, I have everything back as normal. All right, <laughs> we wasted way too much time talking about Vivaldi, but it was a good conversation. Let's go ahead and You're jump welcome. into the news. Um, yeah. Steve, why don't you go first? All right, I'm going first. Yay! What <laughs> miracle has happened? Uh, well, I want to start with the GNOME making it easier to track running backgrounds. Uh, this story piqued my interest because coming from Windows, which doesn't make it easy to, to find background, uh, not even KDE hmm. for some reason. But uh, the developer, uh, Georges Basile, Lebanese name, Stavrakas, Greek name, Lebanese and Greek. I wonder who's Lebanese and Greek in this group. Uh, added background Definitely. apps monitoring to Flatpak's uh, XDG desktop portal uh, expose, uh, exposing uh, to expose background uh, running applications via DBus so, so that desktops, uh, desktops uh, can develop richer interfaces around background running apps. That will make it easier to develop an extension for example on GNOME uh, that will show uh, background running apps in the uh, quick settings menu. I've been waiting for this all since I started That's using... That's actually legitimately useful in GNOME because sometimes, with the way that GNOME works, uh, for the uninitiated, GNOME does not use a task manager or a no. task tray. No. So uh, when you minimize something and like it would it goes to run in the, in the background, on a normal desktop system, you would expect it to actually be in, in your application tray, uh, which... I know I've given it like three different names, but uh, generally you would know what I'm talking about. Uh, but because GNOME doesn't offer that, it, you've got no actual notification of what's actually running in the background. Yeah, so, and, and good luck on KDE doing that as well. You have to launch Task Manager or whatever, and uh, it's it's very uh, convoluted. I, I well, like it's the, the approach. not an easy task to do, because it, especially if they're using it like a... Because everything, everything on Linux is a running task. It's given a task ID, right? Yeah. But because of that, you can't tell what's supposed to be user-facing. 
and what somebody would actually want to know is running. Like you don't like you know system D is running, but you don't need to know it. Like you just it's it's there. Like it, it's not like a music player in the background. Like so that that's what KDE. What, that's the problem with KDE. You go to Task Manager, it shows you everything, even services that you need. With, well, with that's this, this one, there, filters. From what, what I understand about Linux, which is very little, obviously, <laughs> there's no way to, to, from what I know, to tell what's a task that people are supposed to know about and what's just a regular system task. Because they're all just given a number. They're all exactly the same. Yeah, Except but, for, uh, but right? with, this, with this implementation, from what I read on the uh, development, uh, on the merge request, uh, it's filtering out uh, system stuff from applications your the, the user just looking for for user from facing what I'm gathering here application it looks like yeah from what I'm gathering it basically looks like for any for any application that would actually have like a GUI component to it yeah that's what that's all it's tracking yes mm. correct so uh, I like his implementation of it and uh, if KDE can hey uh, Nicolo uh, wink wink do that, do something like that, or suggest it. I'm gonna suggest it myself, but you uh, help me. But uh, you need to have this in KDE because it's it's a must. Uh, it's very interesting, yeah. and uh, and here's here's the thing, guys. I wanted to join you uh, on the challenge by using GNOME, but when you said six months, I was like, I'd rather shoot myself in the foot. Uh, also, it was a it was a distro challenge, not a DE challenge. <laughs> <laughs> well, True. you see, all he has to do is just uninstall Zero Linux and install Arch Linux. Well, it's still Arch. They're, they're technically two different distros, right? I guess technically you could, if you're, you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, uh, uh, I uh, installed uh, GNOME, and as Josh mentioned, stock GNOME uh, on my second hard drive, and I'll be uh, Stock using... GNOME is best GNOME, and Ad White is king. Well, Adwaita is king. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We're on GTK4. It's different. It's different now. I swear. <laughs> uh, I installed it on You're my second SSD. Is what you are. It's completely I'm, banned. Yeah. And I'm gonna You're be fired. using it for for a month, not six, but a month. I want to see how how far I can go. But yeah. I used GNOME for a month. It was fine. I immediately switched away from it after the month was over. Okay. That, uh, Josh, why don't you take us to the, to the next one? Well, uh, in in the meantime, uh, I want to talk about some things that people might consider bad. Where lot where Linux is going to be disabling high resolution scrolling for Logitech devices connected via USB. Uh, basically, your mouse wheel scroll is uh, going to change. Why? I mean, why? Uh, because okay, so the main reason why is because of the way that is that the Logitech scrolling wheel here, as I pull out a Logitech device to show show to you, it's a very nice scroll wheel. Yes, uh, it it's got a very good feel to it and everything. However, however, the pulling rate for the scrolling wheel in in Logitech devices is actually higher than a standard USB mouse. So as a result, you can scroll faster and farther, which is not uniform with everything else. Yeah, especially with the uh, with the Logitech uh, MX Master. Yeah. Uh, is so, it, is this something well, that somebody would be able to add back into the functionality, like through like an app or a yeah, service uh, or something? In GNOME, yes. Uh, well, what in what's saying is there is an extension uh, that I use in GNOME that uh, allows you to control the polling rate. 
Well, uh, there's actually a XDG por- uh, desktop portal uh, implementation that will actually standardize scrolling across all devices, and it will, and it will set it per pixel. That is nice. And Rather than per line, which is how it's normally counted. This is actually a, a, uh, a solution coming downstream from how Chromium is handling it, because but... Chromium has its own implementation of actual of actual window scrolling, whereas uh, something like Firefox will, will rely on your toolkit to do it for, for you. But there is there is an exception. You know how the on, on the MX Master you can flick the scroll wheel and it keeps infinite scroll? Yep. I haven't seen that on Linux yet. It's not supported. Well, we'll, we'll see if it uh, becomes a thing that's available. I love that thing on uh, my MX Master. You flick, especially on long articles, you flick it and then you stop it when you need to. I have... Uh, uh, Alcom huge track. Uh, yeah. I have the MX Ergo. No way. The... No way. Shut up. Show it to me. Show it to me. It was just no. on screen. Wait, 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 wait. I am not. I'm not on Discord <laughs> for some reason. He's showing it. It's like there. Would you... you have my sister? My sister mouse. Yeah. Yeah, oh. yeah, I have your sister. I also have the Logitech Did you guys MMO like to mouse. see mine? I can never like, remember. Like, like here's mine. <laughs> it's in my hand. Uh, oh. You refuse to show us your videos, so I have no idea what it looks like. Oh, yeah, I, sorry, man. The, the people in the stream can see that I'm holding, holding up the same mouse. It's great. <laughs> I turned my computer on behind me, by the way. But but it's I great. am a Logitech. Uh, I'm a Logitech uh, fanatic because uh, yeah, I'm I've got... Logitech, Logitech. <laughs> No, like, uh, Logitech has been my standard for mice and uh, cheap $5 keyboards for a very long time. So, that's what... So, I have... So, Lame. when it comes to peripheral devices like that, that's I typically steer towards Logitech because, you know, it's good, reliable, cheap crap. Yeah, you want cheap? <laughs> you want cheap? I got the G deadliest whatever it's called. You also need to clean it. It's awful dusty. I have $1,000 worth of keyboards in this room. Uh, <laughs> you're not the only one, Matt. You're not the only one. I got uh, the uh, ROG, whatever it's called. Uh, I, let's see. I've got this random Think ThinkPad keyboard. Uh, I've got this $5 Amazon Basics keyboard. Uh, and that keyboard is four pounds. I have this uh, wonderful wireless uh, keyboard that transmits over Bluetooth 2.4 gigahertz and RF. It's AKA, like it. AKA the Linus keyboard thing. Yes. Uh, 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 right, I also <laughs> have this keyboard that I bought for like 150 bucks because all the parts for it was on sale. So I bought it and put it together. Okay. <laughs> and have... I can't buy any replacement parts for it because it discontinued everything. Yay. Um, I'm not a Logitech person, by the way. I have a Logitech mouse here. I don't. It's fine. I'm going to get another huge. Because the outcome huge is just it's so good. How can you how can you control the trackball with your with your those fingers? I I cannot. I can only control it with a thumb. I'll be honest with you. I kind of do want to pick up a fingerball because I do a lot of work where it's just like some. I need that. I need the precision of the fingerball compared to the thumbball. I'm more. I'm much more accurate with a with a finger tracker than I am with a thumb tracker. It's just can, always. It's can just you play FPS games with a finger tracker? I can't yeah. play FPS games with a regular mouse. <laughs> I'm horrible at aiming. <laughs> so, 
Um, I, I can't play with a with a game controller. I can't aim with a damn. Um, anyways, let's go ahead and move on to the next one. Speaking of gaming, um, so I bought a Steam Deck. I'm not going to talk about it here today. Uh, there's a reason why I didn't talk about it earlier. I'm going to talk about it li- next week. Um, but anyways, Framework, yes, that Framework, has begun offering a 2TB SSD upgrade for the Steam Deck. And uh, as far as I know, this is the first non-Framework hardware that they're offering like for other devices usually it's just their stuff i may be wrong about that i'm not sure but they're offering it it's 300 so it is pretty pricey given the fact that the steam deck itself is like 349 um but if you are if you have a steam deck and you need more storage this is one of the first two terabyte ssds that are out there in the size that the steam deck you know actually requires because it requires that little bitty non-standard uh, NVMe drive, which which is terrible. I mean, they also sell, like, standard NVMe drives, too. Yeah, but <laughs> why, Matt? Why? Why? Don't open the what? Steam Deck. Don't touch the screws. Leave them pristine. Mwah. Beautiful. Al dente. Well, you see, Matt, what you do is you buy hardware for that server case that, that I sent you, like, a few months back. You put everything in there, and then you just uh, tell the Steam Deck to mount... Uh, your drives over there on your on your freshly built NAS server, and just have a remote mounted Steam library. The latency would be, dr- although you could probably actually. You this could what re- I do. Probably want run Steam Play on there, and it probably work pretty good. No, I, yeah. w- w- what I was talking about is external drives connected via the, a dock of some kind, and you're good. Don't 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 unscrew the Why Steam Deck. You, what is it with you people? In, the the Steam Deck is a mobile console. Don't plug it into a dock unless you have to. Um, no, like, I'm not saying the stationary <laughs> I'm not taking, dock. I'm not taking my dock into the bathroom so I can play Dead Cells, you know? That's that's why you use the NFS mount, like I said. A dangling, um, I, dangling I, I, dock. I, I did get a, 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 um, an SD card. That should Whee! be here sometime today. My Steam Deck grew a tail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I'll talk more about the Steam Deck next week. It, it is, It is, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see after a week of use. Changing gaming. I'm sorry, Steve. It's okay. All right. Let's go ahead and move on to the contact information, and uh, we'll do that. So, uh, if you want to get in contact with us, you can do so in any number of ways. The, probably the best way is to head on over to the website, which is linuxcast.org, where you'll find the mo- all of our most recent episodes, along with an entire backlog of all of our episodes except for the first three. Uh, those first three I do have somewhere. I saw them the other day. So uh, if I ever get around to it, I'll upload those as well. And then the whole catalog will be there all the way back to 2017 when we started, which is like a long time ago, by the way. Um, anyways, so if you want to get back back uh, episodes, all of those are there. So you can, you can check those out. You'll also find blog posts and stuff from yours truly. It's awesome. And uh, you can support me on Patreon at patreon.com slash Linuxcast. I'm available on YouTube where I make you know content every once in a while uh youtube.com slash linuxcast uh josh is uh, on his own website he is he's tenleyj.com slash stalker which is where you'll find all uh, of his that website numbers. by the way is no longer running gen 2 it's running debian you distro hopped on your server dude this is why i'm so <laughs> confident that i'm definitely going to win the challenge uh, <laughs> i mean, seriously uh steve is on is, is has several different links that he likes to promote but the one that's in the show notes is youtube.com slash at zero linux zero with an x uh, all of his other contact information will be on the website at the linuxcast.org slash contact so uh 
Oh, also email, email at the linuxcast.org. I don't know why that's not in the show notes. I probably should put that there. Then I'd remember to say it. Email at the linuxcast.org. I do read all the emails that do come in. I don't respond to them, you know, as well as I should. Uh, I have been... Just bear in mind that if you want to send an email, apparently you have to send it to... Only Matt has access to an email. It doesn't get forwarded to either Steve or myself, so... Uh, I'm stingy with it because it's used to log into the YouTube account. So um, It's fine. Just go to my website. I have an email link in there. Yeah. Anyway, if you do have questions for the guys, I will forward it to them. And, and when I don't know anything, I forwarded an email this week to, to Josh so he can answer it. Um, yeah, so it does happen. I literally sent, sent a response through Emacs just to spite Matt. And he got banned. <laughs> like he's asking for a ban. Okay. Anyways, uh, Steve... Your second one. My second one is a pretty big one. Uh, it's Fedora Asahi aims to provide the Fedora workstation experience for Apple Silicon system. Yeah, baby. If I have as Apple, since I have an Apple MacBook, not a silicon one, unfortunately, but it's on the way uh, because there's an article after that uh, that mentions drivers for the touch bar being re-implemented into the kernel, but that's beside the point. Uh, this one just mentions how uh, how much work is being done on porting uh, Asahi's work into Fedora. Uh, so basically, the the current the only current way to uh, install uh, to install Linux on a on a M1 or M2 based MacBook is to install the Asahi Arch Linux distribution. Not anymore. They're working on a, on a project called Fedora Asahi, uh, which uh, will port all the thingamabobs from Asahi to, uh, to Fedora. Uh, they're calling it Fedora Asahi Remix. So it's uh, very f- uh, far along. Uh, and they have the, uh, they, uh, on Pharonix they embedded the, the whole keynote talking about that the guys from Jupiter Broadcasting actually installed it on a, on hardware this week talked about it, maybe it was last week on their podcast, uh, Linux Unplugged and apparently it's really far along Like it actually works, now it, there's no yeah. GPU um, Excel- acceleration Excel- yet yeah. um, and they said Thunderbolt wasn't working and audio wasn't working yet but yeah. other than that, it was completely useable. They they already uh, they already ported over the the patch versions of the Linux kernel, Mesa, and related bits to ease Fedora ex- uh, experience on the latest Apple Mac systems, uh, like with Asahi uh, Linux. Uh, but other than that, uh, it the only thing it's missing basically is hardware acceleration. That's the biggest thing. Other than that, you can already it can be tested. If you head on to their wiki and stuff, but apparently it's still a website where you download a download a script via curl and then pipe it into Bash. Yeah, totally secure, guys. You should <laughs> they, totally do it. Definitely sometime. do that all the time, no matter what. Every time do you that see for that, everything. Definitely do it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's good news for Apple owners, M1 and M2 owners. Bad, well, not yet for me. But the good news for me is that they restarted. Uh, the uh, implementation, the the driver, the touch bar driver implementation into the kernel. It was halted long time ago, but now it's re- it's being restarted. So I'm hoping 
I'm hoping. Maybe zero Linux on my MacBook. Please. <laughs> Maybe. One of these days. In the future. Never. But anyways, <laughs> uh, speaking of, you know, Apple devices, uh, one of my favorite Apple devices is actually a feature that I have personally never used, but I always thought was really cool. And that is the touch bar. Uh, and of course, uh, there has been yet another attempt to put push a touch bar driver upstream into into the Linux kernel, uh, therefore making the world's greatest device that I have never used because I would never buy the products even better. However, uh, like I said, I've never used the touch bar. I have no idea how well it actually works even through Apple's implementation. But uh, I don't know how I feel about a missing physical escape key. Yeah. Okay. Uh, also, as, function keys, man. I need function keys. <laughs> as as an owner of a MacBook with a touch bar, I can agree. Oh, it turned on. Okay. No, please. You, you turn that off. This is a Linux podcast. Get that out of here. Ban. Well, <laughs> I'm gonna be by myself. I'm banning both of you. <laughs> well, uh, I just I just want to agree with you a hundred percent. The, the missing escape key, physical escape key, is killing me. Uh, and that said, on this Pharonix article, yeah, you can see that there's a button for man page. Yeah. Which I think that would be pretty awesome if that button actually opens up a man page when you hit it. And uh, <laughs> that's actually one of my favorite features of, like, the touch bar. It, the concept is actually really solid. Uh, of course, Matt's going to miss his function keys because apparently he uses the function keys. I don't even have a keyboard that has function keys on it either. So... I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I use the function keys, keys all the time. Um, not, but I have keyboards that don't have them on. I'm usually fine because you can put them on a layer. Uh, but he, I, I, here's it'd be really cool seeing how they've abandoned the touch bar Apple has if they open sourced the hardware for it. You know, what I mean? it would be so really cool if they if they not only open sourced the software for it, but you know, like uh, re- remove patents on their hardware, which you know they would never do to begin no, with. No, no, I, I want them to open source the hardware. I don't care. <laughs> we'll work. We can. We've found ways of making software that works on a, on Apple hardware before. That's fine. But if they made if they open sourced the hardware of the Touch Bar, people could make like standalone keyboards with a Touch Bar. That'd be kind of cool. It's not gonna yeah. happen, but it'd be cool. Yeah. Um, right. Try and make the Steam back. Make the Steam Deck uh, or the Stream Deck, not the Steam Deck, the Stream Deck better. Yeah. Valve really did themselves no favors with that name. <laughs> I think so they bad. did it intentionally. <laughs> I legitimately think that they did it intentionally. They were just, they were, I, I guarantee you that there's a Valve developer that came up with the idea for the Steam Deck and he's just like, what am I going to call this thing? Well, I'm sitting here, I'm hitting these buttons on my Stream Deck. Why don't I just call it the Steam Deck? <laughs> I used to call it like, something. I used to call the Steam Deck uh, something else uh, because it's so close to Steam Bleep. I censored myself. I just good. discovered something. <laughs> I just discovered something with this device. There's an LED right here. Yeah. And as oh. it sleeps, it blinks. I know. I did. You've never had a ThinkPad before? This is my first ThinkPad. What is wrong with you? Every Linux nerd has a ThinkPad. Well, now I have one too. <laughs> Even I used to I used to have one back in the 90s. <laughs> I have like a T420 or something. Well, I'm just like, what is it, what is this red light? And like, oh my goodness, I did not realize that that actually does that. By the yeah. way, uh, yes, I uh, as of an hour ago, I became a ThinkPad owner. Well, two hours ago. I think there are scripts online somewhere for Linux that you can run to control that. And like have it blink at you when you like have like a notification. I think that those exist My, somewhere. What's your favorite part of the of the ThinkPad, Josh? 
so far. So if he doesn't say the keyboard, he's banned. <laughs> I've, this keyboard I've used in my server rack for a very long time, and that's just because you know it's it's a it's a keyboard that has the included mouse functionality of the touch point. So as a result, I'm used to I'm used to the track point, and it works great and wonderful. Uh, the ThinkPad. Uh, the 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 keyboard on the ThinkPad actually has less flex than the actual standalone keyboard, so I like that so far. But like I said, I won't like I literally only unbox this thing right before I joined the call for for the show. That's true. <laughs> he was racing <laughs> home from Micro Center. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but my favorite part of the of the ThinkPad is the nipple. I used to caress that thing. No, that's 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 what I that's what I just talked about. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> like I like ThinkPads, but I'm not. I don't have a hard on for the nipple. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> okay, uh, we saved the best one for last, guys, because we want to talk about this for a little while because there are some thoughts that we have. So, uh, for, it's another Fedora story. Fedora has definitely been a, a focal point of this episode, but Matt's already missing it. That's why. <sighs> I'm not talking about it. <laughs> no, no, no. Redcore has been fine. Um, anyway, so Fedora 38, for a long time, they've been talking about enabling FlatHub in this version. It was going to be 37. It got pushed back to 38. And the reason why, they've been waffling. Okay, so they've been going back and forth between whether or not it's going to be full access to FlatHub, and then they said they were going to filter it because if you've ever used Fedora before, you've been following the Fedora story, you know that they're vehemently opposed to proprietary software. Literally anything proprietary they don't want, uh, unless, of course, it's absolutely required for your hardware, which then they, like, fine, very grudgingly put in their kernel or whatever. But because they, like, you notice they don't use the Libra kernel. <laughs> like, they don't do that. Um, but... You know, in the actual distro itself, no proprietary software unless it's user-enabled. So they don't ship it because they're very worried about getting sued and patents and all that stuff. Anyways, FlatHub has a ton of proprietary software. You know, Chrome's on there, Edge is on there. You can you can name a stuff lot of stuff that's questionably illegal to redistribute is on there. Yeah. <laughs> so they don't. That that that's the reason why FlatHub, despite being a offshoot of a project basically developed by the Fedora people, hasn't been enabled on Fedora by default up until now. But now they're working on it, and they've been waffling, right? It was going to be filtered, and now they're saying it's going to be unrestricted, but it's going to be unrestricted weirdly. So, um, yeah, upcoming 38-foot FlatHub will be there. We'll see what their final answer actually ends up going to be. So your guys' thoughts on this. Okay, well, first of all, uh, I would like to start off here where, there, where the, when you download a package using the GNOME software tool, not the package manager itself, it, it does have a list of priorities where it will pull the package from. Mm-hmm. If it exists and it's available as a flat pack, it will first of all check the Fedora flat pack repository, and it will prioritize any software out of that compared to mm-hmm. FlatHub, which is its next fallback. It does that now, by the way. It, it, yeah, it, it, it does do that now. It prioritizes the flat pack over the, the, the RPM package. It's It's yeah, been but doing that for ages. You you can manually tell where where to pull th- things in from. Uh, and it and what it will do is it will always prefer the Fedora flat pack over the RPM package or even the... Uh, the FlatHub package. 
Now, my biggest complaint here was actually ro- raised in the uh, in the proposal itself, uh, where, where they approved it. There was one denial from from the uh, steering committee, and that denial said, "Why are we giving flat packs this pre- this option when RPM Fusion has existed for longer and it's not even being and it's not even included in this priority list system?" Hmm. They got he's so got, he's got a point. Yeah. Uh, RPM Fusion, as a result, will be at the very bottom of that priority list. It's hmm. not a surprise to me at all because it's just oh, RPM Fusion has always been the thing. It's it's like the 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 cousin you you or uncle you invite over for the holiday dinner that nobody likes, but you have to invite them anyways. Um, it's there. I mean, Flathub was like that too. Well, yeah, but <laughs> uh, the, and there the, are things that are more restrictive on FlatHub than there the, are. The, the difference is is that RPM Fusion that that FlatHub is something that is necessary for FlatHub or FlatPak to like really exist because the there they do not want to keep adding stuff to the Fedora FlatPak repository. Like they 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 were they're going to, but they don't want to. They're very grudging about adding stuff to it. From what I've I've read, and and FlatHub is basically become the de facto place for Flatpaks. It's where everything's at, and by not having it enabled, it's a, it actually become a detriment. Whereas with RPM Fusion, it's never become a detriment not to have it installed simply because most most of the stuff that's there is there for a really good reason, right? Because you know it's it's the Nvidia drivers or other proprietary stuff. It's blatantly for stuff that Fedora just wouldn't uh, include in their repository. Whereas FlatHub has become a, become a repository for everything, not just the stuff that is a uh, stuff that's not meant for the the main repo. So, but here's here's my uh, argument to that because FlatHub. Uh... And this is another sub, another topic that I read uh, about Flatpaks is that FlatHub is uh, their uh, review of packages or uh, how do they call it uh, proprietary packages are coming very soon to to FlatHub where if it's the original developer who puts the package on the uh, on the FlatHub it's uh, it's going to be on top versus the other packages made by fans or fan projects or somebody other than the creator of the project uh, this is this is going to be a big big step for I think this is what pushed the, the fedora devs to, to accept flathub to unlock flathub on on fedora well uh, they've been re- they've been planning on it for a while but I think it might been a, it might have been the push to that, have it unfiltered yeah, right. well, I, th- I think that was it. One, uh, not so, it, but one of the reasons that yeah. got it pushed. So I would like to br- bring up the point as to why Fedora actually filtered FlatHub to begin with, or just didn't even offer it as as an option in in the uh, installer before uh, th- Fedora 36 or 35, I think it was. But the main reason why Fedora has been so resistant in the past about FlatHub is simply because is because of the software preferences that Fedora was mentioned earlier. And the main reason behind that is because Fedora is actually corporately sponsored. Uh, Red Hat doesn't necessarily control Fedora, but they have, but they invest a lot of money and development well, effort into Fedora if as you, well. If you look at the people who work on Fedora, a lot of them work at Red Hat. Well, yeah. 
I mean, so a lot of them do. So there, there's a bit, there's a big, big crossover there. But you're right. It, it's because of that. The, the weird thing is, is that OpenSUSE doesn't have the same, you know, uh, it's, it's because Red Hat is a U.S. company and OpenSUSE and right. SUSE is a German company. It's literally just a question of intellectual property laws, which in the U.S. are a lot more restrictive than there are than they are in Europe. Which is weird. Um, yeah. So I, my thoughts on this are that I'm happy that it's happening because it should have been there from the beginning. But the controversy between being filtered and non-filtered it just doesn't make much. If they had kept it as a filtered version of FlatHub, they probably would have enabled it by default. Now it's going to be something that you have to turn on at the begin after in the. I, I don't think that they would still ever enable it by default, but they will still give you the toggle option in the, in the install. Well, they were because t- they were talking about enabling it by default. That was the plan before they moved over to the unfiltered. That that's what they were talking about in the forums and stuff. Well, it's um, I ag- I agree with that with that move. Keeping it as an option is better than enabling it by default. That's well, my it, opinion on that. Well, I I, I didn't I wouldn't mind it either way because they have that sw- they've for i think this was for fedora 35 when they enabled rpm fusion from the user setup user creation setup where you can flick that swip switch to enable third-party repositories um I, i'm i'm gonna be curious how they implement this because it, are they going to have a separate separate switch for FlatHub or will they have just that one switch that controls everything um, no it's going to be a separate switch i'm sure i think of it. so yeah, uh, this is how they did it for uh, RPM Fusion and or a pop-up maybe, but well, no, I mean, there there's a switch now for third-party repositories in the user creation thing. Yeah, that's after a, you install. That's a general one. Yeah. Right. My my guess too is that it will be a separate one, probably on the same page, because that page is very minimal. Like it just, it's just like a gigantic switch in the middle. Like, would you like to enable third-party repositories? There's plenty of room for a switch, you know, underneath it. So. I'm guessing that uh, that's how they'll do it, but it'll be interesting to see. Plus, they're redoing the. Uh, yeah, like the, uh, the the only reason, uh, for example, in Zero Linux, I have it enabled by default is because we are switching. I am pushing uh, Flatpaks as much as I, as hard as I can because I noticed that a lot of my users uh, don't understand the way Linux works. Uh, they're beginners, newcomers, so I was like. Uh, yeah, better push flatbacks on them rather than native packages because of all the dependency crap that's happening these days. Something, something dependency hell. Now <laughs> that this is happening, it, though, it just brings up something that Steve and I have talked about before that flat seal needs to be default. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, which KDE are doing in their uh, in their what? settings and discover. Yeah, I think we mentioned this like uh, last episode or an episode before that somewhere in there. Yeah, yeah, but uh, GNOME's not. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> GNOME's not, and that's well, that's what Fedora Flash uses. Flash also is isn't a GNOME project either. It's independent. Well, now, yeah, I, I know that. If the but GNOME Foundation was to pick it up, that'd be great. It's necessary for like. If you want to actually use Flatpaks, you have to use and, Flatpaks. And recently, uh, Chris Titus Tech just made a video about Flatseal. You need to have it. Well, hello, Chris. Uh, welcome yeah, to... It took you a while yeah. to realize that. It really did take a while because I think Brody Robertson was like the first one to post a video on it. He posted that like a year and a half ago. It's been a while, yeah. yeah. So, okay, so anything else to say on this topic, guys? Or are we done? Well, uh, I have one thing to say about it. Uh, is... Please, uh, 
there's one uh, one thing. It's the prior the way they prioritize uh, their flood hub over the unlocked one. The I, at first, I thought that it's because they inspect and they uh, modify uh, the flatpacks on their own flat uh, flatpack repository. Not all packages are vetted uh, on that thing. And what if a package is available on both the unlocked, unfiltered flatpack and their their thing? I don't it'll, think it'll. It'll by default choose the Fedora flatpack. Yeah, Always. or not be there on the on the Fedora flatpack. Rather, they remove it and one less package to maintain on their side. Who knows? Well, no, they'll list both of them. That's what. That's just the way. Look, but that confuses users more. Okay, so I absolutely very. It's 100% true that the vast majority of new users who are going to go into the GNOME software store to download a thing, don't even know that that drop-down exists. Okay? Yeah. They, they don't look at it. They'll just download whatever is... They'll just hit the download button. It's And that's the reason why Fedora's repository is at the top. Because that's they want people to download stuff from there by default, and that's what... So users that, will end up installing the Fedora package without even knowing it. Yeah. 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 And I, honestly, I actually much agree with that, because then... Users that complain about it, Fedora can actually fix. It's not unusual, guys. The Snap Store does the exact same thing. Only the only difference is that the Snap Store is literally the only repository of snaps. Um, yeah. So, so I mean, <laughs> the reason why this is a something that we're even talking about with Flatpaks is because there's multiple repositories of Flatpaks, whereas with Snaps, it's literally Canonical's way. Or uh, that said, way. that said, I want to comment on Snaps real quick because. The, the Snap Store that's hosted by Canonical is not the only Snap Store option that you can actually have. Well, you, you if can. You go to, you if you can, go to Canonical's but, GitHub, you can actually find a Snap Server code base where you can pull that in and compile it, and you can set up your own Snap Snapcraft repository. And somebody did, but it's not included in the Gnome software or the Snap Store by default. Okay, I'm sure there's probably a way to do it, but what I'm saying is that by default, it's Snaps and Debs is what they include, right? I don't know if they still do the Debs 100% of the time or not. Um, but yeah, uh, it'll need, it'll default need... to Snaps over over. Well, no, I know it will. I know, I know it will default to Snaps. I just, I'm just actually kind of surprised that the Deb option is actually even still there. <laughs> and I'm surprised, I'm surprised they haven't coded it in such a way that if the Snap exists, the Deb package doesn't even show up. Yeah, like, I want, I wanted to do the the same thing on Zero Linux, but I, I, I don't know how. I don't want to go that down that rabbit hole. Uh, yeah. But uh, as content creators, we our job is to spread awareness about the drop-down. People, click. There's a drop-down. Look at it. Choose where you want to get your packages from. But, hey, we do our job, I mean, and it's up to the user to The The, the question we're going to have to ask, and the only reason it matters, isn't because of security or any nonsense like that, because neither one of them are going to be as vetted as you'd want them to be to be secure. Okay, So you can't you can't say that the packages from either FlatHub or the the Fedora repositories are going to be secure. The reason why it matters is because flat, uh, because Fedora is notorious for having repositories with some packages that, shall we say, don't get updated um, for a long, long, long period of time. Um, so, so uh, much Fedora's so. Uh, not the only one. So, well, yeah, I know, I, I understand that. It's so, so, it's so true that some developers have begged and pleaded with Fedora to take their 
applications out of the repository because they won't get updated. Either because the maintainer is not going to continue maintaining them or Fedora is not doing it themselves. That's the reason why this matters because there's a, there's a potential there for the flat or the the for the Fedora Flatpak repository to have applications that are significantly more out of date than the versions that are on Flap. Yeah, but and, the Fedora is a very opinionated uh, distro. Just well, plus if you, I mean, at least with Flatpaks, it's not going to be as bad as with RPMs because a lot of times with the the RPM packages that are really outdated they just won't even install like for for example bottles is in the fedora repository and it will download and install perfectly fine but it does not run Um, you can't actually create a a bottle kind of makes me wonder why they even post post bottles in there well it was done when it was work somebody did it and then just left it there forever it's a really really old version Um, yeah and and the 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 developer of bottles I talked to him on Mastodon. He said he's asked Fedora to take it out, and they won't. Yeah, that's another thing, and uh, which raises a question that I wanted to ask you: is how do you deal with Fedora and the countless repositories that you have to add for for the packages that you need? Like I I used Fedora uh, uh, for a month, uh, well, Nobara for a month, and. When I went to the uh, repository, uh, whatever you call it, uh, the database or whatever, I I and I saw a repository for GNOME, a repository for uh, the custom uh, OBS package, another repository for this, another repository for that. I saw like 36 different repositories for 36 what, different packages. What are you yep. even... Okay, okay, so the the only repositories on Fedora that you absolutely need if you're going to deal with Fedora are the ones that are included by default in RPM Fusion. Those are the only ones that you need. If you want to do flat packs, you'll also get enable the Flat Hub repositories. So you'll have three. Those are the so, three. So and you, here's you the way you, here's the way you look at it. It could you could do that, or you could use something like Debian or Copper. Uh, you know, um. Ubuntu and have to add PPAs from the past, you know, and have 95,000 PPAs in, on your system. You know, you could do it I that think, way. I think that's what Gloria um, Zagrol did. That's in uh, Nobara. He, because... he probably is using co- a lot of copper repos because yeah. that's all community uh, I uh, think stuff. he's actually hosting his own repository. Yeah, he created the repository for uh, his custom uh, OBS package. I guess not, su- not surprising, um, and, and you could do that, but you can't blame Fedora for that. Oh, I thought it was a general Fedora thing, so uh, I I judged it too harshly. Sorry, Fedora. Repositories can get bad if you use copper, because coppers are basically PPAs. Yeah, basically what they are. I mean, their PPAs done right, but yeah, they're still PPAs. Well, well, they're they're centrally hosted PPAs, which is the way PPAs should have worked. They're seriously outdated. They're seriously outdated. uh, Well... They can be outdated, but because it, it's it's the same thing. It, it it's basically it has the same problem as they you are, where it's all community run. It's not done by the Fedora guys at all. You can anybody and their brother can put a copper repo up on copper, and right. have them build it, and it, it just is there. And you don't even have. To, I here's the thing about copper that I really wish they'd do. I wish they would mandate the fact a uh, mandate a description. Like at the oh, moment, yeah. you don't even have to put a description there. It, and, and if you don't, it just says this this copper was probably put up by someone for personal reasons. Then don't make it public. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it, it should definitely they should definitely have a, a description there because there's a ton it, there's a ton a ton of 
like libraries and stuff on there that you have no clue what they are. And maybe they even still build, but you have no idea why you would need them uh, without a description unless you go searching for it. And the thing is, like, you don't even have to name the package the same thing, right? <laughs> the, the package name can be completely different, which makes it yeah. hard to search did for. You notice, did you notice on Copper that a lot of packages, uh, the description of the packages is in the title? They call the pa uh, a package a whole sentence uh, sometimes it's it's very much a wild rest that i wish they had some rules yeah, they, uh and also they need wish to become they, like the aur more like the aur well okay maybe a little bit more like the aur but not completely like the aur but what i really wish there's two things i wish they do i wish they'd mandate a description in the proper place and i wish that they'd make their website faster because their yeah. website is a astonishingly slow like it is so slow once you d delve down into some of the like the searches and stuff it gets a little bit faster but their home page like takes a minute and a half to load it's ridiculous. not only that try to search for a package sometimes yeah, it takes it a gets... it takes a long time and sometimes <laughs> it like it'll like 504 or 500 out like it'll, th it'll time out whatever that code is yeah right? it takes a long time um yeah. but what do i care i'm on gen 2 doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> we, we don't need your stinking copper or AUR. We have the Gen 2 repositories. You don't need the Gen 2 repository, and you know if it's not a Gen 2 repository, it's available in a Git repo somewhere. Well, and they, what's the... Gen 2 has like the their version of like the AUR. What is that called? Yeah, they're called overlays. Yes, that thing. Uh, but I, I've never actually used those. I never had to. Because um, the, 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 the amount of stuff that's actually in the Gen 2 repositories is kind of phenomenal. Well, good luck, uh, Matt, on your six-month uh, endeavor. <laughs> I know. Why did I say six months? Why not three? <laughs> it had to be six months. It's dumb. Yeah, I'm at five I mean, before. To I knew be it was fair, Matt. To be fair, Matt, before I discovered Gentoo, I did run Debian stable for six years straight. I I don't. I'm sure. I mean, proof or it doesn't exist. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look at all my older YouTube content before, like all the video game streams. <laughs> um. All right. Anyway, so that is it for the news. We're gonna go ahead and move on to the last section of the podcast where we talk about our picks or things. Wait a minute. We call them thingies of the week. Yeah, we could have called it anything else, but those things were taken. So uh, I do need to change mine. Yeah, I don't even. I don't even. I didn't even look at anybody else's other than mine. So um. Steve, why don't you go ahead and lead us off? What's your first one? I'd rather go at the end because that's going to be a long one. Oh, it's not. It, it's really not. I'm banning you before you talk about it. So, fine. Josh, you go then. Okay, so uh, I want to talk about Jellyfin because, you know, Jellyfin is a Plex is is a better Plex alternative where you don't have to pay for hard, hardware transcoding because I discovered that apparently in Plex, you have to pay for hardware transcoding. <laughs> But uh, unfortunately, I don't have a public Jellyfin in uh, instance for you all to experiment with because I just didn't set it up this time around. But, uh, you know, it's available as a Docker container. You can you can just sit there and pull it in and install it. The Jellyfin website is actually brilliant for, like, uh, teaching you how to not only not only create, like, your own Docker container for Jellyfin, or but uh, also just installing it like a normal person would. It's actually really good. And of course, uh, Steve has been introduced to to uh, Jellyfin, and uh, he's been met. I imagine at this point he might have gotten it working. Nope, because I don't <laughs> want to move all my database that I spent months setting up my metadata database that I spent months creating on Plex to repopulate it on 
uh, Jellyfin, but I do agree, Jellyfin is pretty good, especially that you have local control over every aspect of it. Uh, Plex now for it's they're not putting hardware transcoding behind a paywall. No, of course not. Uh, but uh, they're putting a lot of thing useful things behind a paywall, and uh, it's becoming uh, infuriating, especially that they're uh, when when you select for example example. Uh, that this this uh, folder contains French movies and respect my French movie posters. I need my posters in French, not in English. It doesn't respect that anymore. It ignores those rules completely. Uh, so I'm getting fed up with it, and I might be switching to Jellyfin very soon. The worst thing about Plex is the amount of crap that they put in their UI. Like Yes. It's li- Plex like it used to be. That's what Jellyfin is. Like, like seriously, all of the like the streaming services and stuff that they link to, just like they're okay, a TV, so they're a TV but, station now. Well, it, it would be fine if you could actually watch those things. Like, if you click on it and say, "Hey, your plus play here," and it will play right inside of, you know, like if you let's say you subscribe to Disney Plus or whatever, and you 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 click on one of the Disney no. Plus things, and it, it plays right there. That'd be cool. You know, having all of your streaming services in one, in one interface, awesome. But that's not the, what it is. It's, they just link to that, and then they send you outside well, of Plex. Funny to do thing it. is, it's just dumb. Funny thing is, you can get plugins for Jellyfin that will set up that where you can set up all these individual uh, streaming yeah. services. And then the best part is because you know Je- Jellyfin doesn't really have anything that's like a native client. Uh, basically, there is a flat pack for Jellyfin Media Player, but that's really just an Electron wrapper around a web browser. But uh, the the wonderful thing about uh, Jellyfin is that it integrates really well into Kodi with through the Jellyfin extension for Kodi. Okay. You're where Kodi literally becomes that for you through you're, Jellyfin. You're gonna help me set up Jellyfin then, okay? Okay. You're gonna help me because I don't. I, you sent me that Podman stuff and I've never used Podman before, so just sending me code for Podman does nothing for me. It'd be like sending me code for uh, Haskell. You know, like I have you, no clue. T- <laughs> tell you what, Matt, you install you install Tailscale. On a on a on a computer, and then send me the link that Tailsco generates for you. That I will add your computer to my Tailsco network, and I will SSH into your machine and set up uh, Jellyfin for you. Uh, okay, <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll mess around with that. But the I, I want to I, I've wanted to switch away from Plex for a long time because their UI is just really I mean it's getting so so crap and so cr- slow and so slow. Because they well. keep adding stuff to it. Like yeah. every time I sign into Plex, there's something new there. And it, every single time they decide to add something to the sidebar, it always pushes my libraries down. Like, no, I have three libraries. I have my music, my TV shows, and my movies. I want those pinned to the top. I'll leave them there. Don't move them. Not <laughs> only that, not only that, the Apple TV uh, application uh, is the most stable one out there. I have, a, I have an NVIDIA Shield in the living room, and that application, you have to launch it like five times before it it launches correctly. And sometimes when I want to play 4K content, because we got 4K TV in the in the living room, because I download for true 4K content that's 100 gigs in size, uh, it plays the music, but it takes maybe a minute and a half to to get the picture in. <laughs> and I I tell it not to compress, not to decode. I like to because it's a local network. Uh, I like to play the original quality uh, thing, the 109 gig file. Uh, it just takes a minute and a half to load the picture. It, it's really getting annoying. The, the Plex player is 
on Android is, is the application as a whole on Android is getting worse and worse and worse. The iOS and the uh, Apple TV version, perfect. So I don't know why they're concentrating on Apple, uh, whereas they should be concentrating on Android more because all the TV boxes are Android, not Apple TV. And they're in introducing support for uh, something called 12-bit, uh, uh, not 10-bit, 12-bit for the Apple TV. Because the Apple TV supports 12-bit, not 10-bit. Yeah. Okay. Please, please. Uh, you Fix wanted yourself. to go last, so I will go next. Mine is Bottles, and it's awesome. Uh, it uses container technology and, and, and Wine to play Windows games, basically. Oh, basically, window, anything Windows. If, it's, if it has an EXE, you can run it. Um, and it does a really, really good job. The one I've just been messing around with the installers right now. They have some pre-configured installers that you can use. They have the, like the Epic Game Store, GOG... Uh, Battle.net Battle is there, um, and there's several other ones that you can try, uh, including non-game one stuff. Like um, there was a couple DAWs there, so if you use, um, if you if you need audio editing, audio recording stuff like that, if you're into music and but your software is only on Windows, it's a chance that they already have an installer there for you, and it works really well. And you can obviously bring in outside EXEs as well and use. It, I. It I inst speaking of audio editors and stuff like that, I installed, I don't know if you know something called Samplitude. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it's a multi-track uh, audio editor and, uh, well, uh, produ producer, producing uh, software that only exists on Windows. I was able to run it, install it, and it's uh, 7.8 gigs inside with all the libraries. I was able to install it via Bottles. I have SoundForge. I got 3D Studio Max to install using... Uh, AutoCAD, Adobe Photoshop, but Photoshop doesn't run because, well, bottles does are afraid of Adobe. Uh, but uh, as you said, Matt, as long as it's got an EXE, it should run. Uh, I have Winamp with it. I got uh, because Winamp got revived and it's back, baby. Uh, so I installed it with bottles and I run that through through that but you have to be careful uh, and select the correct runners uh, for each and every uh, for some applications some applications run better on mocha the uh, the one that ships by default with uh, bottles some other applications work better with wine ge you have to pick and choose yeah that's that's one of the reasons why the the pre-configured installers are so good because all that stuff's set up for you i wish they had more installers to be honest with you it'd be really cool if they had some more of the yeah, popular and, programs there and it has the uh dependencies uh, windows dependencies like net and all the dot net the, the stupid direct... fonts that you always have to download mm -hmm. because microsoft uses all the proprietary fonts and crap uh the one the one that i was been playing around with the most is battle.net and i installed fedora or um hearthstone Man, it plays flawlessly. It's so good. Um, you, you should try. You should try. Uh, 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 I forgot the name of it. The the, the first person game that uh, that they have. Uh, Overwatch. Overwatch. Uh, you should try Overwatch with that. It flies on, on a 1080 on a 1080 GPU from like 2015. It flies. 
Uh, I'll think of that try. I've never actually played Overwatch because when it came out, I was already using Linux. I just finished uh, installing it this morning uh, again because I forgot to back it up. But it's flawless. It's I I love it. I love bottles because everything is possible with that thing. (laughs) Everything. It's 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 everything except uh, the kitchen sink. Okay, moving on to the last thingy of the week, Steve. Your bannable uh, offense is here. <laughs> my bannable offense. It's ChatGPT. I finally got was able to use it for the past two days. Uh, and uh, like I said earlier, it can have my babies. I want to marry <laughs> that thing. Uh, it is wonderful. The way the, uh, it works is... It actually fixed the Zero Linux form. Yeah, uh, I don't know. If you, I, I I don't know if you people remember a, a few episodes back. Josh here was useful for the first time ever, uh, uh, and he suggested I fix my snapper script, uh, which didn't check if your uh, file system was BTRFS before going ahead. Uh, so I told Chat GPT to do that script for me because I wasn't experienced enough to know how to write an if statement. But now I do. Uh, thanks to chat GPT. Why can't, why does it need my phone number? I want to, like, I'd love to try it even though I, I think agree. it's the devil. I agree. But Just, I have, I have a throwaway I, phone number. I use that. I know. That's what somebody told me to do. Like, go set up Google voice or whatever. Like, yeah. no, I don't want to have to do that. No, that's not what I want to <laughs> have to do. I don't want you to request a phone number. Like you're already shady enough. Why am I giving you more personal information, specifically one that allows you to call me whenever you want to call me? <laughs> well, I, I have a throwaway uh, number. I use my uh, my Greek number that expires tomorrow, so uh, that's when I traveled to Greece like uh, a few summers ago. Uh, but anyway, uh, once you're in, oh my God. I felt I was talking to a person when I was talking to it because... Uh, I did the test that someone did online. I'd like to interject for a moment here because I uh, opened up ChatGPT and I told it to write me a bash script that would install a specific distro for me that I'm not allowed to name here. And it wants to point all of the DNS records to 8.8.8.8. Google. Uh-huh. It's Google. It's not allowed It's not allowed to go online. ChatGPT, uh, the, the chat on, on OpenAI's website, is not connected to the internet. But that's... I'll get to that in a second, but it, it felt like I was I talking mean, to, to a human. Like, I did the test, I told it I want a recipe for apple pie, and I uh, then told it I am diabetic. That was an example I saw online. And it did, in fact, apologize, uh, apologize saying, <laughs> I apologize, You are. Uh, I'm so sorry that you are diabetic. Here's a, sub- a substitute for sugar. It's so human-like. I was like, I want ChatGPT to be an asshole. Wouldn't it be so cool if you could, it could, you could change you can, the personality of it? I think be you like can because bag? that was that was Dan's intention. Uh, well, the, uh, it's just only a matter of time before it come, becomes a Nazi, right? You, oh, you guys yeah. know this, right? Because it will it will become a Nazi. They've done this on they did a, like Twitter bots before. Yeah, uh, uh, this is what happened became, to Microsoft. Yeah. They became Nazis. Yeah, <laughs> it was hilarious. <laughs> I'll talk about that in a sec. But the uh, I it wrote the script for me. Not only did it write the script, it explained 
each variable and each command that was run in the script, uh, making sure that I understood what it, it has just written. But that brings me to a very serious subject related to ChatGPT. It can be good and all, useful for, for a lot of us, but someone on your server of all servers, Matt, uh, Ansible, uh, I think you know him, uh, mentioned something really important. It's the legality of the, the data it grabs. Like it, it can roam GitHub, it can roam GitLab, but how legal are those code snippets that it, throw, it spits out? Like maybe they're under a non, uh, maybe they're under a commercial license, and it spits them out anyway. How would you know, the end user, what license is uh, is under those uh, code snippets? So this is a shady uh, thing that uh, we shouldn't trust ChatGPT to, because the OpenAI developers are not filtering which license goes with what code and whatever. It's just throwing, uh, spitting out whatever it, it has access to. So this is really important. Uh, to pay to pay attention to it. Don't you blindly use any code that ChatGPT throws at you. Make sure it's free and open source code under the GPL license or whatever uh, before you use it and you make it public. He okay. made uh, he, it was a very interesting point that he made, and I did a research on that. And he was I've, right. I, I've heard lawyers talk on it, and apparently it will be litigated in the future. I'm sure that. That will go through the court. It should be. It should be because I don't um, want to end up using code that is uh, licensed code. So here's my thoughts on AI. First, I have two thoughts. First, bets on how long it takes Mozilla to create their own because um, it will happen because um, they always do that. Uh, the other one is that I'm still betting on AI to be the next crypto. Like it'll be around. It'll be useful for some people, but there's also going to be a lot of scams. Wow, there's oh, going to be a lot of scams. Anything um, that uh, that is good that is created for good can be cre- can be used for bad as well. So. It's definitely going to. It'll give it a bad name, just like uh, scams did with crypto. So. <laughs> yeah, um, and Microsoft and Microsoft's uh, acquisition for ten billion dollars uh, didn't make it any better. Now it's connected to the internet, and as we as we saw on the WAN show uh, today, if uh, if you didn't watch it, go watch it because it's gonna be scary. Uh, it had access to to his uh, store, and they had just put up uh, a new li- uh, a listing for their new tracksuit, LTT tracksuit. It already had access to that up-to-date data, so it was a bit scary. Even Linus was almost gonna drop to the floor. It was astonishing. Some, somehow, an LTTstore.com. Uh, uh, plug got put into my podcast <laughs> no no i'm not plugging i'm, I'm not plugging I, I know it. i'm being funny <laughs> but but it even read text embedded in pictures like they had a picture uh, of the tracksuit with ltt on the suit and it was uh, colored white i don't know why chat gpt saw it as red but that was a mishap but it read that there was a logo on the jacket so i was like it even reads text in pictures Wow, that's not that's not even new. I mean, that's been happening on phones for yeah, but it reads it. It it includes it in its search. It includes it in well, its. I, reply. I mean, if you can on iPhone or Android, you can copy and paste it. If you can copy and paste something, it can be true grabbed by a, a, a true. But 
scroller. Wow, it was it astonishing, and it's so human-like. Like you, you can no longer make the difference. Uh, you can no longer uh, know if you're talking to a human or a, or Steve a bot. Steve is a Chat GPT fanboy. <laughs> I'm, I'm, not a fa- I'm not a you're, fan boy. You're, you're a fan boy. I don't it. use chat GPT though. I use Dan. Yeah, I, okay. I, I don't know what that is. <laughs> um, Dan is the movement on Reddit that's trying to, uh, as they call it, jailbreak uh, chat GPT. Get it to do something and wrong. It's actually been successful. <laughs> um, to a certain you, degree. <laughs> you, you kids and your newfangled toys. No, um, but come on, it, it should surprise you too, because uh, it's it's so human-like. It, I was like, I would be using it a lot because I'm not a bash scripting professional. If I want a bash script, I'll just ask it, but I'll check if the code is legit or not I before mean, I use it. Zero Linux ships main pages, right? Well, uh, the regular ones of Arch, yeah. So why not just man bash and learn how to write a bash script? Oh uh, no, reading. Yeah, I, I I should preach what I. Uh, I sorry, I I should uh, uh, apply practice what I what preach. You preach. Yeah. yeah, I should practice what what I preach, but uh, because of I my mean, ADHD, I cannot. I, I read would too plug long. our Lord and Savior Terminal for life, but uh, he, his YouTube channel has been gone for like a year now, and I miss it. And of course, I'm apparently the only one that has a backup archive of his entire YouTube channel. <laughs> well, you gotta uh, you gotta make that public, man. <laughs> no, you but have no, I don't have I don't I did not get his permission for distribution, unfortunately. Yeah. In all in all seriousness, I can I could I I could try to read the man pages, but because of the ADHD, I fall asleep while reading the first lines. Uh, but the, and my old age, of course. But all right, uh, so here's what you do: you take a man page, TLDR. and you get no, you give it to chat gpt and say hey make this interesting <laughs> i can do that i can do that but All right, the, that... It's, to, to end it to, to finish it is people when you use chat gpt be careful of the code it spits out check it before you use it it's very important oh. because you you will save yourselves a lot of headaches okay on that happy note that's the podcast for the week um if you want to watch us live we do so every saturday around three o'clock p.m eastern time uh usually there are four of us tyler should be back next week if he doesn't decide to move to hawaii um i mean not that i can blame him it's hawaii um who wouldn't want to move there i guess um i don't actually want to move to hawaii it's too humid over there it's like like i have no interest in i mean do I look like a beach-going guy? <laughs> I'm just saying I'm pasty white. There's a reason. Um. Anyways, so, yeah, Saturdays, 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, if you want to watch this live on YouTube.com slash LinuxCast. If you want to support me on Patreon, you can do so. You can do so. Why is it at the end of every show I can no longer talk? You can no, do you, so. You, 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 you were right. Soup. Uh, it's soup time. Uh-huh. It's, uh, Patreon.com slash LinuxCast is where you can find all of that stuff. Including a exclusive podcast that goes up every single week. I got to do that for this week. Thanks to everybody who does support me on Patreon and YouTube. You guys are all absolutely amazing. Without you, the channels would just not be anywhere near where it is right now. So thank you so very, very much for your support. Thanks everybody for watching to the live show and afterwards if you've made it this far in the recorded show. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next week. 